the ASCO Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the Trust ASCO Leadership Podcast. My name is Rob Robson and I am the ASCO Trust Leadership Consultant. On today's podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Karen Bramwell. Karen is the founding CEO and executive principal of the Forward as One Church of England Multi-Academy Trust. It's a name she's really proud of, as you'll hear during the podcast. She is a national leader of education and has supported significant improvements in a number of schools across the Northwest. As you'll hear in the podcast, Karen has learned from schools and the education systems from all over the world. Karen regularly trains other head teachers and school leaders across the country. She's recently been involved in the writing of the National Professional Qualification for Executive Leadership. Karen is a member of the Lancashire and West Yorkshire Head Teacher Board, and she's a trustee of the Ormerson Trust and a senior partner for the Aspire Challenge Partners Hub. Karen's also a lead inspector for Ofsted. Karen joined St Paul's as head teacher in 1998 and is now responsible for the success of all schools, staff and children across the Forward as One Trust. Right, Karen. Um, so just tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into teaching? Why did you get into teaching? And a little bit about your approach and philosophy too. I do not come from a teaching family at all. Um, but I do come from a family where service was important. So I was brought up Church of England, um, um, not from a very, very churchy family, but, you know, brought up from Church of, Church of England, went to a Church of England high school. Um, and both my mum and dad have given service to the community in different ways. So my dad, whilst he was the director of a large um, industrial company um, and travelled all over the world for his job, he also, in his spare time, was um, the leader of an ATC unit in our local town and gave a lot of his, his spare time to that really. And my mum worked as a secretary at home, but to look after three children. But she also, she was also a guide leader and, and led, actually worked her way up to being division commissioner for the guides. And again, spent quite a significant amount of time providing service to the community and led me to be a young leader within the guiding movement. That, that didn't give me a thirst for teaching, but it did give me a, a thirst, an interest in people and an interest in the community and an interest in service. So I went to Lancaster University um, and um, I did a degree in psychology and English and linguistics loved the psychology that was my major and particularly loved the cognitive side of the psychology and the neuro side of the psychology I got a science degree and did my dissertation in a special school and loved it I looked into dyslexia and then I wanted to be an educational psychologist so um, to be an educational psychologist of course you have to be a teacher so I did a PGCE and as part of that PGCE, I shadowed an educational psychologist for a week and thought, oh, all they're doing here is assessing children. I thought they worked with children, I think, when I wanted to be an educational psychologist. But I went ahead and did my teaching and absolutely loved it with a passion. Um, and I always say that the only thing I've ever been really good at is my job. 
um, you know, I'm not an amazing sports person. I like sport, but and I like playing sport, but I'm not amazing at it. And I'm not an amazing musician or an amazing artist. I've not won medals for anything else, but I've always been, you know, a decent teacher. And I, I absolutely loved it with a passion. So I was fortunate and I fell in a really fertile school and was put under the wing of a fabulous head teacher, Terry Dodds, who sort of, he basically said, if you don't achieve wonderful things and leave here in three years, I'll be really disappointed in you which was lovely and I was there then very very fortunate and went to Bishop Bridgman and my head teacher was Pat Ashton and she was stunning absolutely stunning allowed me to develop nurtured me gave me my head when I needed it and pulled me in when I needed it and um it was such a creative wonderful innovative school that I really, really grew. Um, and I will always be thankful to Pat. And I more or less model myself on her and her way of doing things. Um, and it's interesting because I, I used to think, I, I went to head teacher meetings as, and heard all these really loud voices with these male booming head teachers who basically held fort in the, in the primary headship arena and I thought I can never do that that will never be me but then working for Pat who was a, a more unassuming quiet but absolutely fabulous woman um taught me that you don't need to be that big charismatic male character um that there are different ways of doing the job and and that gave me the confidence and I think she gave me the confidence to move on to deputy headship and then headship so that that's basically me in a nutshell and I think it it's um that that family that gave service I think I've I've stayed true to that um but it in a in a slightly different way to my parents you know my my grandmother passed to go to the grammar school and didn't go because they couldn't afford the uniform I didn't come from a poor background or anything like that um, you know, my family were wealthy. My dad had a really, really good job. But, you know, my brother and I were the first people in our family to go to university. Um, and and it is that, that sort of background that I do come from. So there's something in there about service, quite clearly. There's something in there about people as well, and, yeah. and a real interest in people. There's something about... Uh, a reflective approach to leadership to something yeah. in there that's, as you say, not about chess beating type of leadership, but very much a, a, a calm approach. Is that fair to say? Are they, are they yeah, I think that, I think that is fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That calm, that listening, but also that, that, um, I think Pat taught me that you need to, you need to, let people do things you need to encourage them to do things and you need to you need to trust them and she always said if you believe in something enough it'll work um which sometimes is sometimes you have to really believe that yeah you do yeah you do <laughs> but um yeah she she was just she was just really special and I don't think it's any accident actually that out of her stable, they used to call it that, didn't they? Um, the, there's myself and um, there are 
two, Pat herself took a school to outstanding um, and so did the two other people that I was a senior leader with at that time also took their schools to outstanding. So we, your, that journey takes you to headship. Um, yeah. And as you say, it takes a school, you take a school to outstanding. Um, yeah. So where, where did the whole idea about trusts come in and, and you stepping? Because it's quite a big step from headship to CEO, but it's also particularly probably in the area where you are, where it's quite a cold spot for trusts, actually. Yeah, why, it is. Why was, why was trusts part of the thinking? Why was it a good idea? I think in 2003, Three, we were inspected. So I, I became a head in 1998 at St. Paul's in Bolton. And in 2003, we were inspected and we were one of those schools that had an Ofsted report with no key issues. Um, and I was then asked by the local authority to be a prime strategy consultant leader. So I um, supported all the head teachers um, to... Um, raise attainment in their schools etc etc and loved it absolutely loved it and i loved that coaching approach is that um, the people bit to, again then um, is that the people bit again yeah i think it is i think it is and it's also i think when i went from my first school to my second school i was quite shocked because i'd gone from teaching year one two to teaching year five and the year five children in that school were at the same level as my year one twos were in the first school that I'd started with. And, and yes, it was a challenging circumstance, but those children, just because they were EAL and, and you know, came from a, a deprived background, didn't mean that they couldn't learn and it didn't mean that they were cognitively challenged. And I think that's where my psychology degree comes in, because I looked at that and thought, hang on a minute, this isn't right. And something needs to be done about that. Um, and I suppose that determination that everyone can succeed um, is, is a, real, a real thread with me, um, as is one of equality. And um, it was an opportunity to make sure that children in any, any circumstance, wh wherever they are, that you can remove those barriers and, and you, can, you can intervene and high quality teaching really makes a difference doesn't it so I, I did that primary strategy consultant leader thing and then I was really lucky that the LA sent me to Toronto um to see York district um to look at leadership because they'd asked me that I, I applied for um the role as the leader of the Bolton leadership strategy because we've got a succession planning issue and we needed to grow more head teachers so um, I went to Toronto, saw York District, and in York District, the principals work for the district. They don't work for the school, nor do the vice principals, and therefore they can move their talent around. And when I was director of, of the leadership strategy, I was seconded from my headship to do it. When I, when I was looking at the local authority, there were certain people who were really, really talented, who'd done an absolutely fantastic job in, the, in a school, but actually they were needed down the road. But you couldn't move them down the road and you couldn't use their talents down the road because they were employed by the school. And, you know, whilst as a head, I quite like being autonomous and um, 
you know, doing my own thing, actually, I did begin to see the bigger picture and that some leaders, they do need to move and their talents need to be spread. Um, and actually, it enables you to grow, doesn't it? When I was coming towards the end of that contract, um, I applied for the role of leadership director for Greater Manchester Challenge. And I was really fortunate and I got it. So I was seconded from headship two days a week then to the National College for School Leadership to lead the primary, to be the director of the primary strategy for Greater Manchester Challenge across the 10 Greater Manchester authorities. I worked cross phase initially and did it. We all did it. There were three of us and we all did it for primary, secondary and special. But then I went, then after a while, we went to being more specialist and I did the primary strategy. And that was a fantastic learning experience for me. And again, showed me the power of working alongside another school, more in a school alongside another and really developing it. And I had the absolute privilege of meeting George Berwick at um, the London Challenge. And I worked quite a lot with the people from the London Challenge and learned so much from, from that opportunity. And Tim Brighouse, I, I, I was doing some present, presenting at a thing with Tim Brighouse and he was saying about, you know, you once you've done your job for seven years, you become less effective after that. You most, he, he says your, your most effective years are between, I think it's your fourth and your seventh. And he said, you're really fascinating. So, cause you've been in your job since 1998. He said, talk to me about your career. And we realized actually I've changed roles every seven years, roughly. <laughs> and you have to reinvent yourself, you know, like Madonna and Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> but you do and to keep yourself fresh and keep yourself going and so as a result of the Greater Manchester Challenge I, became, I applied to be an NLE and became an NLE and marred St Paul's um, alongside a, a number of schools and supported them and out of that I learned I grew and it doesn't matter what category school is that you go and, and work with. They're always better at something than you are. You always learn something about your own practice, something that you can improve and something about yourself as well. And it was a really powerful learning experience, not only for me, but also for the team at St. Paul's. And I really, truly believe that it was that work um, that moved St. Paul's to outstanding. Um, and you know, we were really, really proud of that judgment. So we continued after getting the outstanding um, judgment to learn and grow and base our practice on evidence-based research. And I think that's the scientist in me. I've, I've you know, I've never forgotten that background of, of having a, a, a science degree. And I always look at things and I'm a really analytical person and, and looking at things analytically is is i think one of our strengths so um that helped us to create that system so i think one of the things that that made the school outstanding was working with others and supporting others and the other thing was about that research evidence-based cycle of improvement where it's based on really good self-evaluation really good research piloting trialing larger scale piloting and trialing embedding things properly and that 
incremental improvements that make things fantastic. So we've continued to do that. But when we'd worked alongside other schools, then you have to, when you're doing a deployment, you have to walk away at some point. And, and I found that frustrating because really we wanted those relationships to continue. And that's where partly the impetus to, to create a trust came. And the other impetus was that of service. The governors at St Paul's at that time had been really generous with my time. They saw that I grew as a professional through the work that I'd done outside. And I think that because that started slowly with 20 days a year with as a primary strategy consultant leader, moving up to three-day-a-week's secondment to Bolton, then full-time for a year, then a two-day-a-week um, secondment for three years. I think that that taught them that actually St Paul's got stronger over that process. It didn't get weaker. It got stronger by all that work that was going on. And they saw that, you know, we have a, we're a Church of England school and it is our duty to provide service to not only the children at St Paul's, but also the children at other schools down the road who aren't getting such a great deal. So that is where the concept of the trust came from. And I think my role as an NLE, in those days, NLEs got fantastic opportunities for CPD. Um, We were constantly nurtured and fed with the latest information. And I was really fortunate to get involved with the NLE fellowship where we looked at how to create a pipeline of high quality teachers. Um, And we also got the opportunity to go over to Singapore to look at how they create their teachers. And again, that provided a massive impetus for for me to make sure that we provide within our schools the same high quality opportunities that they get in Singapore and that there should be that CPD entitlement for every member of staff within the trust, the school initially, but then the trust, so that we have a curriculum for our teachers and a curriculum for our leaders that um, we call our flight path so that everybody's got that entitlement to grow along their path, whether it be for promotion to leadership or whether it just be to get much better at what you do, because you can always improve. It's fascinating to hear how you learnt, which you clearly love learning. Um, It's really fascinating to hear that you learn both inside uh, the country inside the local authority, but also outside as well, taking mm, opportunities, mm. whether it's Toronto or whether it's Singapore. Uh, yeah. Bring that learning back and take the bits that work in your yeah. context. Yeah, I, I, we, I went to um, New York as well on a study tour with the DFE, and, and that was fantastic because we learned about inquiry schools. Um, and that was something that we, we, we brought back where you, you know, you really look forensically and, and work with, get everybody who works with an individual stock child and, and work with all the professionals that work with that child. And almost in a secondary school, follow them around for a day and see what their experience is. And then use what you learn about that child's experience to to, to see how the organisation curriculum, teaching style, whatever of your school is impacting on a certain type of child. And, and that was 
really powerful learning as well. So, yeah, I think that, that those opportunities that we got at that time were, were really, really powerful. And I think it's no surprise that a significant number of trusts have been set up by NLEs such as myself who have been given those opportunities. And I think that experienced head teachers need those opportunities now. I recently went to Cupertino to see Apple. Um, and that wasn't about buying Apple products. It was about leadership and, and that fabulous leadership culture and organizational culture that they've got at Apple taught me so much. And um, some of it made some of the things that I do make sense because it theorized some of the things that you almost do naturally, but it also sharpened my practice quite a lot. And, and I need to keep doing things like that. And I think we all do because that's how we grow. I've been trying to get to Cupertino for two years now, but it's a, a small pandemic, unfortunately, has got in the way. But I will get there. Um, in terms of so the, the, the trust starts, when, when did the trust start? Which, what year did it start? We, we first converted St Paul's in 2012. Mm -hmm. And the, the concept was to create a trust then, but the diocese wouldn't give us permission for it to be a mat until we got a school because they wanted to be able to veto which school joined the mat. Okay. So we got our first spot, we got our sponsor approval then as well. Um, our first sponsor project was Gorsfield Primary School and they joined in 2015. Okay, so in 2015, the, the, the trust starts to build um, yeah. at that point. Um, and it's got, it's got to nine schools now, is that right? It will be nine schools on the 1st of February. Okay, so obviously clearly a, a school joining you on the 1st of February then. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit further growth, possibly. The there is. There is. We've, we've got a further five schools that are interested. We've, we, we've got a trust that are interested in merging into our trust. And we've, we've also got some other schools. Um, and it's all voluntary conversions. There's no sponsor projects in there. Of our current nine schools, we've got two that were sponsored and all the rest are converters. What is it that binds those schools together then? What, you know, if I'm going to be rude about it, what's the point of your trust? Um, we, our, our, our mission is that we're one team, very much one team, with, and we have one mission and we are one family and that is our strap line. So our one team um, are really strong. We meet regularly and we all have that mission to make that, that difference, to make sure that everyone within the organisation, be they a child or an adult, can flourish. And that is the point, that, that we will add value to our one family in whatever school they happen to be. So it's about um, making sure that adults find what they're fantastic at and do it, and that we provide that CPD, that entitlement, that to make sure that they flourish. And we do provide so much um, as part of the trust. It's really, really strong. It's a really supportive environment. It's, um, I always talk about the parable of the sower and that early career teachers used to fall on either fertile land or stony ground. And if you were lucky like me, you landed in a fabulous school 
where you had a fabulous leader who enabled you to have the appropriate CPD and support to be successful. So I had a weekly meeting with my head teacher at that time and he coached and mentored me all the way through. I was very, very lucky. In my first year as an, as an NQT, we had a week long HMI visit, Monday to Friday. Good Lord, um, I'm, just, I'm just reflecting on that. So this, yeah. is, this is pre-Ofsted though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. A week long focused HMI visit. It was yeah. a fantastic learning opportunity. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I mean, I was terrified at the time, but it was, it was really good for me. So I was lucky. I had somebody who, who pushed me, supported me, and developed me by providing CPD. And some of my colleagues who were employed at the same time were not so fortunate. And they went to schools where they were just thrown in at the deep end. I mean, in those days, there was no national curriculum, nothing. There was no planning. It was just basically teach those children. Behaviour wasn't managed, etc., cetera. Um, and they struggled and quite a lot of them left the profession. And that continued to happen for a long, long, long time. Um, so we were, we're determined that as a trust, that will never happen to any of our staff at whatever level they come in so that they're properly supported. And if, the, if they're not supported and they're not successful, that's not because that support hasn't been put in. You know, I'm not saying that everybody is successful, but we have a very, very, very low um, rate of people leaving us for anything other than promotion or retirement. And that's, that's important to me. Um, because I think if, if you're going to, you know, we need to make sure that everyone can be successful, be they a child or an adult. And that's the basically, that's what binds us. That belief in people and children. And of course, we should say, just remind people that your trust is called forward as one. Um, yeah. So it, it, the the uh, the mission's in the name there, isn't it? It is, and it's that one thing, and that's what our our, st our our leaders and our staff would say. What what is it about forward as one? It's the one thing. It's about we are one. Um. So if 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 you know if you've got Ofsted, if one of our schools inspected, we're all inspected. If one of our schools has an issue, it's everybody's issue. And if if one of our schools has a win, it's everybody's win because we are one. And that's that's the difference, really. And that's what, I, you know, we walk alongside. We don't walk behind with a big stick. Yeah. I can hear the passion as well. Yeah. That, that comes yeah. over really, really clearly. Yeah. Okay. Well, one, one of the things I'd like to talk to you about, if it's okay, some, something that you've become well known for now, and, and yeah. I think quite a quite rightly, and B increasingly well known for as well, um, which is the. I'm not quite sure. Do you call it laboratory school or do you call it greenhouse? No, I'm not sure. Well, we say we're a greenhouse organisation, and that's that's partly because um, we've created so many really successful leaders. And um, so, you know, I think we're probably, I think we've got over 15 people who are now head teachers and really successful head teachers elsewhere who've come through our organisation. So that's what we mean by a greenhouse organisation. And, and again, that goes through from enabling people to flourish. 
That's a because, lot. Fifteen um, is a lot. That's 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 a real contribution to the system. It is from a one farm. Basically, it's grown out of a one farm entry primary school. Yeah. So let's let's talk about laboratory school then. Let's talk yeah. About, it's St Paul's, isn't it? That's the laboratory. It is St Paul's. So St Paul's is is the school where I was head, and um, it's it's absolutely vital. When we first started the trust. It was called St Paul's Church of England Primary School Multi Academy Trust. And we changed the name to Forward as One because we didn't want it to be hierarchical. And I don't want anyone to get the impression that the laboratory school concept is that of a hierarchy because it isn't. St Paul's is in a really good place. It has an outstanding judgment and continues to thrive and it continues to grow. And Therefore, it's a really safe place in which to trial things. And Anna, who's the head teacher there, is absolutely fabulous. She's so passionate. She's really forward thinking. And she's also, she's steeped in learning. Um, so that concept of the laboratory school. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt that. I developed. love that phrase. Steeped in, I love that phrase. She's steeped in learning. That's yeah, she is. She's... That, she, she's a really reflective, solid learner. And anybody who, who meets her would, would see that, I think. That, that school improvement model, that cycle of self-evaluation, real analysis, horizon scanning, um, research, reading, small-scale trial, large-scale trial, constant analysis of impact, and then a fully thought through implementation plan that's based on training everybody so everybody understands exactly what they're doing before they have to do it. it. It underlies the way that St Paul's works and how it develops and grows. And what we do is we use St Paul's as our laboratory school. So if we have, if we have got an idea, we'll try it out at St Paul's first. Um, and so, for instance, when we were looking at maths, I'd been to Singapore, I'd seen Singapore maths. We knew the national curriculum was changing. We were also, at that time, working with another maintained school where I was exec head and we'd deployed my deputy there. And we'd started working with Garsfield. And we, we re we'd really researched the um, maths mastery method. And the, the maths leads went out with me and we, we actually visited all the settings and looked at all the maths schemes, et cetera, et cetera. And then we trialled it at St Paul's in two year groups. Then we trialled it for a term across all year groups. And then because it had worked, we rolled out in all three schools at that time. And, and we found that, that that worked really, really well. So that's what we do. We, that's the status of St Paul's within the trust. If we're trying something new, we try it there first. Where it's safe it, and secure, yeah. Safe and secure. And then the other heads will have a look at it. They'll have a chat about it. If it meets their agenda, if it's something that they need to improve and, and, it, and it's come up on their self-evaluation, they'll look at it and see if it would meet their needs. So, and then they'll go through the same process. So, we're so, not so it's not. Let, let me just let, let me just check something. So it's not 
a magpie. It's not a, no. I, I see something, I think it's really good. I just take it away and try it out in my school. No, no. And I call that supermarket sweep school improvement. And, and quite often when I've been in to support other schools, that's been the issue because they're doing a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of the other. And actually they think they're doing it, but they're not doing it properly. Yeah. And they've not fully researched it. They don't fully understand the model. And because they're only doing a certain part of it, it doesn't work. So it's about researching things properly looking at the evidence and implementing it properly if it is appropriate in that setting. And I, and I think that's another key thing to say. Just because something works at St Paul's doesn't necessarily mean that all of our schools do it because they yeah. don't. And, and I, I think that's a critical part of the message, I really do, that, that heads have the, the agency to be able to say, yes, I think that might work and therefore I'm going to yeah. try it rather than the trust saying this is this is how things are going to be go and yeah. do it is that right yeah it is yeah and obviously we have a you know a different scheme of delegation for for struggling schools and if yeah. a school comes in in special measures things are on fire at that point aren't they and actually, you know, I'm responsible for the standards in that school and I need to improve it rapidly. So in that situation, it's slightly different. But when schools join of their own accord, the strong schools with strong governing bodies and strong leaders, then, you know, it's much more effective for them to, to, to look, research and see if something is going to work than it is somebody from the outside coming in and saying, oh, do this because it's not necessarily appropriate or better than what they're doing. No, and with, and with your schools that come in that, in, you know, in your words, are on fire, that presumably there's not a lot of time for innovation initially. Late, late, no. A bit later, it's, there's a need to stabilise and, and get that school um, you know, yeah, sort of ready absolutely. for the next stage. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, they've got fantastic learning behaviours and, and conduct at, at St Paul's and a, and a great behaviour system that, that worked. We sponsored Garsfield, Garsfield came in, we implemented that behaviour system because behaviour was, you know, well, it was inadequate. And um, initially, that's what we did. The school's no good. Ruth, the head there, is also fabulous. And um, it's a very different catchment to St Paul's. So whilst the, the core of what we believe is, is in place, it's the same, actually they're now a rights respecting school for UNICEF because that meets their vision and ethos. So, I mean, I, I was trying to describe it today. It's almost like you've got the, you've got the hat stand of your core of what you do and, and it fits your core beliefs about equality and, and inclusion and, and fairness and openness and, and the, the importance of, of rigour and consistency within a school. But then each, like Gorsfield's now hung the hats on the court stand and, and the courts, and that's the right respect, UNICEF rights respecting school, um, because that works really well in that context. Well, they don't do that at St Paul's. They do something entirely different, but they've got the same hat stand in the middle. I like it, the uh, the Karen Bramwell hat stand model of school improvement. And that's uh, something like I expect to see published very, very soon. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, but, but fascinating. I was, I was just thinking about the, 
I mean, that that is quite different from other trusts, or some other trusts anyway. The yeah. ability yeah. to be able to choose your hat and uh, and the colour of your hat and the shape of it, as long as it fits on the hat stand. Yeah. Or am I beating that analogy today? <laughs> no, that's absolutely that. That, that I mean, uh, that is absolutely, it, and I can't. I can only think of a hat stand or a cake with frosting on it, but it's it's that that's the individuality, isn't it? When I was ahead, we used to talk about making a cake um, and and actually having consistency in the cake, um, yeah. but actually that the decoration and the frosting could be different. Yeah, be yeah, absolutely different in different schools. But yeah. when you cut into the cake, you expect it's it, the same cake. Yeah, yeah. you expect it to be edible. Um, yeah, and yeah. good as well. So. What opportunities do you have to bring your leaders together then? So you've got a laboratory school, you're trying things out. It's nice, safe practice. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's lots of innovation going on. But yeah. if I'm ahead in another school, obviously it's a, it's a major job there. Yeah. How, how do I know about um, that? Innovation? Well, we have a weekly head teacher kit meeting on a Friday um, where we, we catch up as head teachers. And, um, and that can be about, it can be about something developmental. It, so we were talking about our one-to-one device strategy this morning and of course the COVID regulations and the changes but we have Trust Tuesdays as well so we have Trust, Trust Tuesdays everybody knows that on a Tuesday afternoon it's Trust Tuesdays and that there is some CPD or a meeting um, that somebody will need to be released for so they've all built Tuesday afternoons in where they've got somebody available to cover those are the afternoons when we have our leader and learner communities. So it might be a, a community about English, where all the English leads come. It might be a community about um, the world. So we have the world, which is different subjects, so science, humanities, etc. Um, I was hoping you were going to say where all the world leaders come at that point. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and we have the child, which is PHSC, etc., etc., SEN, um, and inclusion. And so the, the key leader within the school comes to that. And sometimes it's virtual and sometimes it's face to face. We do spam for local authorities. One of the local authorities is in the middle, and that's Berry, and everybody travels about 30 minutes to get here. So, um, and sometimes we move to different schools to see different things. So sometimes it's in person when it needs to be, and sometimes it's online. Um, and so they come, so there's somebody from the school meeting with every other school twice a week. So it's definitely the head teachers on a Friday and on Trust Tuesday, it's leader and learner communities. And sometimes it's the, the English lead and the head teacher might come along as well. It just depends on, on how they feel. And then we also have our head teacher think tanks. So that's where we look at strategy together as one team. Um, because the head teachers are the senior leadership team of the trust. There's a lot of investment in leadership time there, a lot. Yeah, but we rely on our leaders, don't we? It's up for me. It's not a criticism at all. No, for me, it's all about leadership. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're not developing those leaders, if we're not feeding them, we're not doing our job properly. And we also have our early years, early career teacher meetings and things like that, but they're, they're also generally on a Tuesday. 
So if I'm a, uh, an English lead, for example, and I, and yeah. I come to that and I see St Paul's uh, do something fantastic and it's really interesting um, yeah. practice, how do you stop me from zipping back and just saying, okay, everybody stop what you're doing because this is what we're doing from tomorrow? Because the head teachers have got a really well-crafted implementation plan and we, we plan what's going on on Trust Tuesdays and we're really careful not to do that. So that if we were going to be looking at something particularly exciting at St Paul's, that would start with the head teachers. Okay, that makes perfect sense. So there's a there's a framework that sits behind this as well. Yeah, it's not it's not just free for all innovation then. No, not at all. It's controlled innovation mm -hmm. um, because you know our children all deserve the best, don't they? Mm -hmm. And you know there is a temptation to see something and just implement it but that's that's where mistakes can happen um so the head teachers are the guardians of, of what's going on in their school and if those subject leaders do see something and they want to then the, they will the head teachers get all of the minutes of those meetings they know exactly what's been discussed and it and that what has been discussed is discussed on a friday in a head teacher kit meeting so that they know what to follow up on. So generally, what we've been doing at the moment is been looking at a subject for three weeks. So um, they have some CPD and then they have an intersessional task. And the head teachers know what that CPD is because they've planned it in their head teacher think tank beforehand. So they know what, what that CPD is. They get an update of what's happened in the kit and they know what the intersectional task is. So they know that they're subject leader might have been tasked with having a look at such and such thing and feeding back to them about it. Um, and then obviously they meet again, they share the outcome of their intersessional task, do some more learning and then go away and do something practical in their school. So the heads know exactly what the expectation is of that subject leader and know to give them the release time to be able to undertake that work in school because we've got a really big thing about workload. And we're not expecting people to do all this voluntarily. We're expecting head teachers to provide that release time so that they can do it. Because for me, school improvements about keeping it simple, um, keeping always with an eye on workload and distilling it to its its finest parts, really. I like that as well, distilling it to its finest parts. Yeah, for me, it's about we always used to talk about it being slick, you know, don't overcomplicate things. Mm. I think we have a tendency to do that in education, and, it, and it, it, it's, you know, simple is often the best. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I completely mm. agree. St. Karen, I, I could talk to you genuinely because I have in the past <laughs> all, all evening uh, about this, but um, we're coming to the, the end of our time on the podcast. I always ask everybody the same question at the end of the podcast so I'm going to ask it to you if I may mm -hmm. which is leadership is a potentially and often is a, a stressful business you know, yeah it it it, uh, it takes its toll um what do you do to take leadership off to to do something else to do something different first of all my my husband uh, does the same job as me um but that could be even more stressful, couldn't it? it? It can, but but actually, we do we do share and and divide and conquer tasks. So if we're both doing the same thing, either one of us will do it and share it with the other, 
oh, we'll do it, you know, we, we, we often share. It also means I've got an understanding here when I get home and I, and, and I consider myself very lucky with that. Um, but also it's about, I like walking, I like fresh air, I like loud rock music and I'll either, you know, I'll have a chat to my lovely other half. I'll go for a, a drive in my car with some fantastic music on or I'll go for a lovely walk with the dogs or a swim in an outdoor pool. And it's things like that 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 take that pressure off. It's family time, but it's also time outdoors, really, for me. Um, Anna at St Paul's is doing a thing with her staff and, and um, they, they have a little spinner and it's about stopping, pausing, noticing reflecting and taking time and um to do this job you've got to be really kind to yourself and you've got to be kind to your staff and i think that that's what helps me cope with the everyday stresses of the job it's working with a fabulous talented team who are just so enthusiastic it's 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 wonderful but it's also about just pause smell the hyacinths, just take, take your time to breathe. Lovely advice. I do also, just going to reflect back to you, Karen, the, the way that you talk about your leaders is just delightful. It really is. You, you talk about them in such a positive, lovely way, um, yeah. as if they they feel part of your family, uh, the Ford as one family. Um, yeah, and, and to be honest, they do. Yeah, they do, because... You know, it, it, I rely on them being, you know, fabulous at their jobs. I'm only as good as they are. Well, I, I can't think of a better note to finish on than that one. So, <laughs> Karen, thank you so much for joining uh, me on this podcast. It's been an absolute joy. Uh, Thanks, Rob. Enjoyed it. Thank you. The Ask Old Leadership Podcast.